listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, coming to you from Fukushima, Japan. So today I have a really lovely episode for you. So the reason why I'm interviewing my guest today is that I wrote an article for the podcast hosting software that I host my podcast on, which is called Captivate. So in the last sort of six months or so, I've moved from Anchor, which is where I hosted my podcast for the last four years over to a paid platform called Captivate because I was really impressed with the way they handle their customer service and how users are treated as a kind of community member rather than just a one-off customer. So they asked for submissions from users and I wrote this article. It was called Why Women Are So Underrepresented in the Podcast World. And my guest today, Kate, read that article as she's also hosts her brand new podcast on Captivate. And she reached out and said, uh, said hi, and you can hear more about what happened next in the episode. So that's why I'm talking to Kate today. And I just had a really great feeling about Kate. And I'm glad I followed that intuition because we had a wonderful chat about what it's like to be a coach in Dubai, which is where she lives at the moment. And also just talking through some of the things that happen when you're living a life with someone, whether it's your partner, husband, whoever it is, and both of you have careers, right? Or have, or perhaps one of you has a career that is getting more attention than the other one. And how do you manage that? And when you throw in a couple of different countries, a couple of different cultures, what on earth does that look like? And I know many of the listeners of this podcast are potentially married to Japanese people or you live in Japan and maybe looking at transitioning somewhere else or maybe you are going to be transitioning to Japan or perhaps there's some movements going on within Japan. Who knows? We're all going through changes at this time. And Kate is someone who specializes in helping couples or partners to get through these in style, as I like to say, <laughs> with her coaching methods. So today, Kate's going to be talking a little bit about that. And I shared a little bit about what it's like to be in Japan in that way. So I hope that you find it a useful episode. I think it's great. I can't wait to try some of the things that we talked about. And I can't wait for you to get to know Kate as well. So please enjoy the show. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me here. So where are you calling in from today, Kate? I'm calling in from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And it's wow. very early in the morning, as we've discussed yes. already. Yeah, so thank you so much. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for coming on at 5.30 in the morning to talk to me today. And it's really lovely to have you on the show. And I don't think we have had anyone in Dubai on the show. So there you go, a first for that. Yeah, <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, so please introduce yourself a little bit for the listeners so they can get to know who you are, what you do and who you help. Yeah, okay, thank you. So I'm Kate, I'm from Dubai as we've already spoken about, um, and I'm a coach. So I'm an executive coach and a career coach and I support expats. Based in Dubai, we're, I think 80% population of, is expat here. So I support clients here and internationally, and I'm here with my husband and my two children. So tell us a little bit more about the kind of coaching that you do, Kate. Yeah, so I would say mostly at the moment I do executive coaching, and that can include working with individuals or with partners who are expat at the moment. So really, I suppose the focus there is helping people who are trying to transition or to manage both careers who are expatted, which as we know, can be quite challenging and throws up different challenges um, for people that are expatted than couples who would remain at home or people that are managing their solo careers. So that's really my focus. And yeah, I really enjoy doing that. And it's kind of exciting doing it on an international basis as well. Yeah, you must work with all kinds of people from all kinds of countries and places they're yeah. going and things they're doing. Yeah, I think, I think at the moment I'm working with people from... New Zealand, Baku, to the UK, Poland, people are kind of based all over the place. And there's a particular, I'm, I'm not sure if it's on the, the sort of back of the pandemic or people are going back into the offices. I'm not sure how things are for you in Japan at the moment, but there just seems to be that real kind of transitional time going on. And people are questioning their identity. They're questioning, what do I do with my future? What's my purpose? who actually am I? Because I've been this person while I've been at home and now I've got to interact with people again. So it's a really, really interesting time to support people in that transition that they're going through. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories of, oh, I'm moving on from this job or I'm ch- yeah, I'm not staying here anymore. I'm not putting up with this yeah. anymore. Moving on, yeah, changing things. It's quite an exciting time in that respect. And I hope that lots of people can find a better way of life or a happier way of life thanks yeah. to this really rubbish situation that we've been living with for the Absolutely. last two years. And some companies seem to be kind of really embracing it. And then you hear some companies that have kind of gone back to, you know, it's nine to five and five days in the office. And all of a sudden that's really kind of off-putting for people that are kind of searching for jobs and they're kind of like, well, that doesn't really work. And I know that X company is offering a lot more flex than that. So really interesting, especially here in Dubai where things have traditionally haven't really caught up, I would say, with the flexible working side of things in quite the same way, that that's a bit of a shift. Okay, so lots of people are going to an office and working in the office still or pre, going back to pre that? Pan, pre-pandemic, it would have been more um, at, what, Sunday to Thursday, nine to five or longer working hours. Um, and I think there's a shift now where kind of you can flex a little bit more or there might be a nine day fortnight where there wouldn't have been one before. So I, I think that's quite interesting to see where Dubai is a city and it's always tries to be at the forefront of things anyway. So there's certain visas that have opened up where companies can have people based here, but the company not be based here. So really in terms of that global traveller, remote worker, Dubai is really trying to put itself at the forefront there. 
So I, I find it a really interesting time. Yeah, you're right there and where it's all happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Over here in Japan, they're still struggling to get past the use of fax machines and stamping paper documents and people having to go into the office to do that. And so it's been a real shakeup over here of how people work. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. That said, um, in my husband's case, he go, still goes to the office. I think he, he has to do a minimum of one day at home. And the other four days he goes to the office. Before it was two days at home and three days in the office to try and yeah. decrease the amount of people who are seeing each other and all these things. But he, I said to him, so what do, you, what do you think about this working from home? And he says, oh, I don't think I work as effectively when I'm working from home as I do when I'm at my office, which is interesting because most people would say the opposite. I get more done or I hear a lot. Oh, I get more done when I'm not at my office. But I think he has a, a way that he's over the last 20 years figured out to really work and focus on his work. And then he comes home and he can just enjoy being at home. Whereas yes. at home, there's a lot of distractions, people, dogs. Really interesting. I was going to say just really interesting as well. I've had some clients that I've worked with recently who are mums that are going through that transition from home to the workplace. And whereas before they would have said, all I wanted was to be able to have some days working at home. They're now saying, I'm going back to the office because this has been really tough. And they're kind of saying... I will retain this type of work for at home, but three days of the week or four days of the week, I will choose to go in. Um, and it's all about those boundaries. It's all mm. about trying to delineate, which is different. It's because everybody's been at home working, homeschooling, trying to do the whole piece. So again, that's kind of like just a different type of working parent conversation that I would have with clients now than what we would have had pre-pandemic. Yeah, it's interesting that the thing we always wanted wasn't actually the answer, isn't it? That yeah. we always yeah. want to be able to work from home. No, it's not working from home all the time. And it's not having yeah. everyone at home all the time. It's a mixture, a balance, uh, whatever that works for you, isn't it? That that yeah. people actually need. And now they realize that's what they want. So <laughs> we've got a lot of yeah. clarity after these last sort of two years, thanks to uh, COVID in that respect, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be doing what you're doing today. How did you get from where you're from, which is that Scotland that you're originally from? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're from Aberdeen, Scotland, which is the energy capital of Europe. Um, the what so capital? The, the energy capital energy. of Europe. So my husband and I have hit some of the energy centers of the world so far. So we're based in Aberdeen. Both of us were in the energy, oil and gas. And then my husband actually got a call one day. It might be something we want to talk about a little bit, kind of to offer to move to Houston. Wow. And so that was our that was our first transition. So off we went to Houston. We were there for uh, three years, I think. And then we repatted back to Aberdeen. And then I think about three had a baby, came back in Aberdeen, <laughs> extended the home, had our second um, son and then came to Dubai. And our moves have actually kind of gone with the cycle of the oil and gas industry. So when there's been a downturn, we've moved mm. um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. So that's what brings us to Dubai was actually a downturn in the industry back home. And whilst we were both working, my husband's sort of the, I suppose, the lead career at the moment. And we were kind of looking at that and things looked a bit shaky. 
and an opportunity came up in Dubai and we thought, well, why not? So that's what we're doing here. My background is in HR and I always very interested in learning and development of people within the HR function. And I'd also done some volunteer counselling. So we did a counselling for a charity called Childline. And I really fell in love with the one-to-one support. So you would speak to people on the phone or on Instant yeah. Messenger, as it was at the time. And I just loved doing that kind of one-to-one with young people. So actually, as we were transitioning, I was already looking at, shall I study to become a counsellor or a therapist? Or And as I was looking at all of those options, professional coaching sits within professional support. And it, it just kind of was very, very clear to me with my HR background and that kind of interest that it was the way to go. So I took the opportunity as we transitioned to here to do my coaching qualification. I also did my master's at the same time. So the first year in Dubai was jam-packed with young young children (laughs) and a lot of studying. (laughs) Mm. So yeah, that's what brings me Mm. new life as well. A new country, new new culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, again, fascinating time. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I would do it again. At the time, I think it was probably quite a lot, but you just get on with what's in front of you, I think. So that's what leads me to be here today and working as a coach in Dubai. Yes, and this leads us into why we are talking to each other today. Yeah, yeah that's a fun story. So yeah, tell everyone what happened. What yeah, you, what you so did. Yeah. My my um <laughs> my stretch goal for myself as a coach at the moment. Um and something I've been really interested in over the last, I don't know, eight months or so was to do a podcast. So I've been working on a podcast which is the International Career Couple Podcast, which is all about how couples move with each other and align and grow their careers as they live on the move. So I've been looking at doing that and I work through Captivate. Um, yes, podcast hosting. Shared podcast I, host, yes. Yeah, uh, shared um, podcast host. And one of their emails came through. And what really struck me about the, um, the email mm. was that it was speaking about women in podcasting. Yeah. So you'd done it, written an article. I can't remember what the. I was like, why are emails? women so underrepresented in podcasting? Yes. Yeah, and I was like, why are women underrepresented? <laughs> and I hadn't really noticed it before. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, no, we are actually. And perhaps that's the reason that I'm struggling a little bit to get this. Not, not struggling to get it over the line, but it was moving slowly. It's kind of more of a, um, an iceberg moving through the water than a rapid, a rap, you know, a rapid river, <laughs> I would say, for my particular podcast. So I was really interested. And there was kind of a call to get in touch with you and to link via LinkedIn on that, which I thought was really lovely and welcoming. And because you work with expats and culture and transition, I thought I would get in touch with you. So yeah, mm-hmm. I dropped you a note and then here we are today. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you forgot to say that you actually stopped sitting on your podcast and you launched it after yes. you did that, right? Yes. So it was the push over the line. So yeah, the last couple of weeks since reading the article and since being in touch with you, I've been, I've, I've launched the podcast and have been kind of doing those things that made me feel a little bit awkward, like getting yeah. emails out there and yeah, letting people know that the podcast is actually there as well. So thank you for the inspiration. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, it was it just really, I suppose it was just re- reaffirming to hear. I, I think one of the, one of the statements that you had in there was that 
people want to listen to the message. You know, they'll they'll find if they, you know, and so to get it out there and to mm-hmm. let it let the message and the stories do their work. Yeah, almost. So yeah, exactly. I find that really inspiring. Yeah, and when I wrote that, I didn't really know what would happen, but it's really amazing to actually see some effect that writing that article had by you taking the time and and reaching out and saying hi, and uh, I launched my podcast because I read your article, and I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, that's just one that I know of. What else might be happening out there that I don't know about? And it just goes to show you just never know how your actions are going to affect or influence other people, hopefully in Mm -hmm. a good way. But yeah, yeah, I just really love that. And then when I I went and I listened to your podcast, I was like, why were you sitting on this? You know, this is amazing. So the podcast episode that you have out now is talking as a couple talking about their joint sort of vision for how they're going to lead their international careers. There's two of them with an international career, each in a family, trying to have children and live in the same country sometimes and not sometimes. It was just amazing to read, uh, to listen to that. So a story that needed to be told, definitely. Yes. yes. So it's yeah. out in the world a, now. They are quite an incredible couple. The thing hopefully that comes through and it's all about shared vision. Which actually, if it's okay to kind of mm. speak about resources about and things that, that yeah. people might might find um, useful, there's a couple of um, books and resources that are really key. And when I read them, I was like, they speak to my lived experience. They speak to the, what I experience with clients as well. So there's a book called Couples That Work by Jennifer um, Petriglieri. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And there's also the International Career Couples Handbook. Which is kind of, it's done, it's done by um, Here We Are Global, which is uh, Yanni um, Skov Hansen and Dr. Paul Vanderbroek. And it really it helps you coach yourself through career transitions. But both of them speak around the, the, the different transitions that we go through as international career couples and also kind of give some hints and tips and exercises. One of the ones that they speak about is shared vision. And that's mm. what this first episode is all about. So it's how the couple created this vision. And actually in the second part, because it's quite a long um, recording that we did and we were interrupted by children waking up at the mm-hmm. end of the first part. So the second part really talks about how they worked with a coach, which was me actually, yeah. um, to create the shared vision. And what's lovely to see is that on kind of years later and now looking at the next transition they're about to kind of they're considering moves again and what to do the roots that they kind of grounded for themselves at that point through the shared vision and where they wanted to go and how they wanted to be as a couple and as a family are kind of holding strong so that idea of and I, I know that it's different for everyone and you said earlier before we came on like you know it can be a little bit different when a company just says you're moving and that's it. Mm. It could be quite difficult for both parties to have a voice, but I suppose the shared vision part is trying to encourage, well, let's have those conversations. Looking to my right here, my husband and I have a vision board that we update wow. every now and again. A shared my vision board. Is, yeah, <laughs> so a shared vision of board. So visions on there, yeah. We did it individually, and this is what I do with clients as well. Mm. We have an individual discussion with both parties because as a coach, it should be a confidential conversation. So we kind of agree within those individual conversations, what do you want to bring to what we call the team talk? And then we have a team 
coaching. So it's got to be as far removed from any kind of couple work because I'm not qualified to do that. But I am qualified as a team coach. So let's kind of work that shared vision together. So my husband and I do that from time to time together. Um, So we have quite a a shared vision. And it's interesting because my husband isn't a man that particularly likes to talk a lot. He finds that quite difficult but mm-hmm. with a great with a big whiteboard in front of him and a load of markers and a cup of tea he was quite happy to sit down for an hour and to discuss okay so what should be on there so we've got Ian's side of things we've got my side of things we've got the what we call the hub because as we were talking we were like this isn't just a home and it doesn't matter where we are it's got to be the hub of our family so there's various things on there that are kind of key phrases that are important to us what we'd like to have in our our lives as we make our moves. So those are kind of our roots. Mm. And I would encourage people, if it's possible, to try and have those conversations. That sounds amazing. I love that idea. And to make those decisions in advance, not potentially, right? Not when someone, one of the uh, the partners comes home and says, how about moving to Sweden, which is what happened at my house a few years ago. And the other one's just like, what? (laughs) And, but if you've already decided, does this going to hit some of our goals that we've already pre-decided can help with the decision-making, I feel, or to negotiate maybe, to negotiate on that offer that's come to you. Yeah. Yeah. It Mm. might help you understand whether is the timing quite right. And and of course it's not a set in stone, but it's just an idea of, well, actually Mm. these are the things that are important to us and are we willing to compromise on them? or actually are they pretty fundamental mm. um it's quite i find it quite interesting to play with timelines right. as well with clients so to do mm. that kind of well, what does this mean in five years time how does it fit into kind of if we had a 10-year plan which we've all learned is very difficult to do that but imagine if we had a 10-year plan if we work that back where does this all fit into now perhaps for one of the parties that's decided to take a career break which for me is all part of career management but if you've mm. decided okay probably for me this move means that I'll take a change in career or I'll break for a while what does this next move mean in terms for them yeah. is it an extension of the career break or is there something that they could be doing now at year two of their assignment which means that they are kind of in the position or a better position that they want to be in two years time when they're due to move again mm-hmm. um, because we know as expats unless we kind of immigrated to a country right. if we're expats that are moving every three to four years then is there anything we can do about that cyclical side of things mm. that will help both parties keep going right. in their yes. career mm. yeah. yes so much to think about isn't it and I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast are probably similar to me they're someone who has come to Japan on their own steam mm-hmm. found someone here fallen in love married them and woke up 10 years later with two kids and went, what have I done with my life? Oh, my God. <laughs> what an incredible get... story, though. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And this is kind of what happened to me. What would be about four or five years ago, I sort of woke up and went, mm. this isn't what I was planning. I mean, it's, it's great. It's fine. I have no complaints in that I have everything I need, but I'm not happy because I'm not doing what I should be doing, which is not this. And so I feel quite a few people who listen have that experience and that may be why they're listening and they're looking for inspiration or 
you know, people who are doing something in this place that is Japan, which until, you know, recent technology has made it easy for us to do different things. It doesn't matter that I'm in Japan, I can be a coach because people who are in Dubai, for example, or I can do like what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a podcast manager and I help people with their podcasts. That was unbelievable even three years ago, four years ago to have that kind of job you can do anywhere in the world. So mm. there are lots of options now. It used to be, or you're an English teacher and that's it. And that's, and you know, unless you're something super special, you have to be an English teacher in Japan. So yeah, some of my listeners are people like that who are looking for, yeah, the inspiration to take a, a leap to change their own careers. Um, perhaps they're staying in Japan or perhaps their partner has come home. Like and we've both said in one day, your husband or partner comes home and says, it looks like we might have to move to X. And my, my husband's come home and said, it looks like we might have to move to Detroit. It looks like we might have to move to Stuttgart. It looks like we might have to move to, what was the other one? Oh, there was China as well. Okay, up at one point. Yeah. Um, when those those days happen, right? And we didn't actually move to Detroit. We did move to Stuttgart. We didn't move to China, but we did move to Sweden. So <laughs> we've had a lot of those days where it's just uh, someone comes home and, and upends your your life, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. My, and, mine wasn't yeah. even coming up. Mine was an email. You got an email. <laughs> I've, been, I've been offered to discuss the show, <laughs> the kind of communication. Um, yeah, I've been offered to move to Houston. Yeah, tell us the, about that, that experience. Like, so, yeah. that was, so we were married, I think, about a year and a half. And both of us had known that we wanted to work internationally. Both companies had spoken to us about working internationally. So you had your own career and, and yes, your HR world yeah. at the time, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, which was going well. But what was interesting for me at the time, or looking back, was that I just instantly went, yes, okay. Right. And it was as though, it was just kind of like, well, that's what I do. I follow my husband, which mm. today I'm kind of like, hmm, that was interesting that that's how you felt at the time, because mm -hmm. that's probably not actually in line with what you actually thought at the time, or with a little bit of discussion of what you might have come to. And actually, the company that I was with at the time were wonderful. They spoke about holding my position open. They spoke about rotating me back in and out of Houston, um, all sorts of things to mm. try and kind of support my career, which was wow. wonderful. And I said, no, I was sort of the HR person for HR at that time. And I said, well, we can't predict what I'm going to do. So I think it's better that we make a clean break. But looking back, I should have kind of gone with that with open arms and just said, you know, like how wonderful, thank you for valuing me and I value mm. myself and I want to talk about how we can make this work so that my career was kind of planned in. In actual fact, it worked out well because I was able to get a consultancy work with the same company for the whole time that right. I was in Houston. Mm -hmm. um, but there was one point where I spoke to, the company has career managers um, and the career manager had said to me, you, have you ever considered that you've just given up your career? Which actually I thought that, that was the case, but it was a bit, I was kind of like, uh, no. And then I thought, oh, oh, maybe I have given up my career because I'd given up my career, the kind of the tracking that I was doing in my career, as right. in kind of you will move to this role, you'll move to the succession that mm -hmm. was kind of scheduled for me. So that was, again, something looking back at in hindsight, 
mm. that with a little bit of support or talking about or knowing to talk about it a little bit more, we probably would have made the same decision to move, but I would have done it with a bit more agency for myself. Mm. Yeah. You see what I mean? I so, yeah, it, but yeah. anyway, we, we went and we had a great time. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to do to move country, as you know. We've only done it a few times, but you've, sound, like, you've done it lots of times. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, went to Houston and em- embraced that move. Had our first son, Kieran, there. And then probably, I think he was three months old. And my husband started to say, oh, you know, getting a bit of contact from back home. And then it was literally, I think his future manager had phoned at something like eight o'clock in the morning. No, it wouldn't have been eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, Houston time. And the baby had just gone back to sleep. There'd been a morning feed and the baby had just gone back to sleep. And I was like, no, no, the baby's just gone back to sleep. So he was phoning to talk about an international move. All I was, all I cared about, because I was in that kind of early stages mm. of you getting no three sleep. months in, yeah. The baby's <laughs> just gone back to sleep. You can't phone now, and that was kind of my concern. Not realizing that actually, ten weeks later, that phone call was the one that led to us repatriating, and it was it was fast. It was kind of right. Like ten, ten weeks after <laughs> that phone call, we were we were back in mm. Scotland. Wow. So that was a long-winded way of telling you that we moved no, to Houston. Yeah, I love hearing people's stories about, so that was your decision at the time and you can't go back and change it. But yeah, that's with the hindsight, yeah, what could have been different? What do we know now? How can you use that moving forward? Or how yeah. might that help someone today who's facing this yeah. situation right now and they've just yeah. heard us talking about it? How might that? Yeah, that well, the key thing for me, so just in case anybody's ever doing that kind of move back to the UK part or... So I'd left employment within the UK, had gone away, had had a baby. So had I been in the UK or if I'd retained a UK working contract, I would have been covered by UK maternity law or could have... Oh, okay. you know. mm. So I actually didn't have anything to return to. Mm. And that meant two things. So one, I didn't have a job to return to or I didn't have that ability to kind of go back to a company and say, I'm ready to come back to work, mm. which would have... In the UK, we've got really quite good rights around that. But what it also allowed me to do is say, well, what do I actually want? Yeah. And actually turned Start, out what yeah. I wanted was I would definitely wanted to work. but I wanted to work very, very, very part time mm. in those early years. So mm. I ended up working 10 hours a week on a day rate. So I didn't become employed. I became a contractor. And that was fantastic because it meant like I kept working. It was on, I mean, when I look now and think 10 hours a week. It was nothing but at the time I managed to get through an awful lot of work and managed to continue um, and did different sort of projects at that time as well that I might not have done had I gone mm. back into being a general state HR person. Yes. Yes. So you have to look at what the opportunity brings. For me, rather that I could have fixated on, oh, kind of like, oh, you know, poor me, I don't have, I could have had this. Instead, I kind of said, well, actually, let's look at what's in front of you. And that's quite freeing because you mm. get to choose. Yeah, especially if you're going through that transition of having kids, I think, and you go into, well, the baby's not even arrived yet, and you're making decisions about how you're going to work after it's here, you just cannot know. You just cannot. (laughs) And then even after the second one, it's like still not same, same at all, right? It's all an experiment as you go kind of thing. And it's great that we can have more flexibility these days. It's not something that is afforded to many women in Japan, I feel, 
It's yeah. still very much you will work nine to five or you will leave your job and you know you will be. It's very know. similar here. It's mm. very similar here. And I was going to say, you know, how lucky I was to be in a place where I had choice because I know that's not mm. the same for people and women everywhere. So what would you say to the person whose partner has just walked in the door from work and said, Honey, I'm home and we're moving to X place. What would be your advice now as a coach, as someone who's done this yourself? What would be the, the things you would recommend for them to do? Yeah. My first answer is just to breathe. Right. So to, not, to try not to jump <laughs> on. And th th this is probably from lived experience rather than just saying, yes, absolutely. But to kind of go forward with a collaborative approach. So... To try and have a conversation around it, I suppose number one, breathe, have a conversation and make time for it. So one of the wonderful things that's in the International Career Couple handbook that I spoke about is this idea of getting what they talk about, a secure space mm -hmm. to talk. So to find a little bit of time where the kids aren't around or that you can have an hour or so to really talk through what the move means for both of you and to let both of you talk about what and even if really the answer is we're following this career and this is the opportunity and the company's kind of insisting that you both get to have a voice there and that you can collaborate on it so that means talking about the things that you're willing to compromise on the things that are important for you now and in the future um, and to just talk because my I suppose what findings in research are um, what I see through clients and what I've understood for myself is that if both of you get to have that conversation, it can make it a little bit easier, perhaps when things don't quite go the way because you've both agreed it together rather mm. than feeling that one, maybe not even the person, but maybe like the company's made the decision and you're following it can lead to a little bit of resentment down the line. Mm. And I know there's no magic wand and I know that we don't live in kind of a glossy world where everything goes right all the time. I do feel that that kind of makes things a bit better, a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. And we've experienced some of those offers like, oh, would you go? But you, know, you don't have to accept, mm. but you almost you would be crazy not to. We've also experienced you must return to Japan now, which was not our choice. We wanted to stay on our assignment. It was taken away mid-assignment, you know, like there's no more work for you here go back to Japan. At least there was a, a job to go back to, right? It was, mm -hmm. um, employment was continued, but you are no longer going to be living here. You are going to be returning to where you came from, <laughs> which yeah. um, for most people that would be a, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah. But we were loving where we were, potentially even more than we love where we came from. And yeah, having that taken away unexpectedly was really, really very upsetting. Um, especially mm. for me, I think I cried. I had to go in the room, shut the door and cry. And I'm still holding on to it a little bit, I think, actually. It's yeah. like more nearly a year later that we were told, you know, you're leaving, you're going home. I mean, we negotiate. We attempted to negotiate. We were like, well, how about you move us sideways? We will go over mm -hmm. to this country, you know. We, we've lived there before. You know, we've lived in Germany before. No, they had no foresight for how that might work out and... Yeah. you're going home so we negotiated what was it two extra months we got to stay they wanted us to leave like the next week basically like you know you're leaving now and we were like um no we're not <laughs> we leave at the end of the year when yeah. our family when our children finish the school year thank you um and they were like oh okay then 
So that's a Japanese company. So um, the reason I wanted to say that, tell that story is, you know, if you are like me, married to a Japanese man, they may make you think that there is no negotiation with the company. And then that's often not true. There mm. is some things you can negotiate, like we just talked about length of the stay or when you have to go and things. It may not be a yes, no conversation that your husband might make you think it is. And that's because it's easier for them to just say yes, 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 rather than be the difficult person and say, actually, you know what, but you know, you will probably find that there is some leeway, a little, even a little leeway to negotiate something. Yeah. yeah, and it will be really interesting to see where companies go with that. And obviously, different different cultures have got different ways of doing things in different companies. You know, different corporate cultures mm. have got different mm. ways of doing things. In the episode of the podcast that will come up, I think next month, it talks about a couple and how they advocated for themselves. So right. actually, in their case, they managed to advocate country. So they Mm. said, we're not moving there because it would have been very, very difficult for one of the parties Mm -hmm. based on visa. And they managed to change the country that the Mm. job was located, which is pretty amazing, I Mm. think. Mm -hmm. Uh, It showed a company that was very progressive in terms of how they're willing to do their expat management. Um, And it it wouldn't be wonderful if if all companies were able to kind of come at it from that mindset. And I think some of them are, and there's some wonderful support out there. But again, you're kind of starting to see a little bit more spoken about, a few more articles, a bit more research around, particular around career couples and how they could be supported. So the company kind of understands that when they say you must move, that there's actually more to it for the individual and that it's a family that you're moving. It's not just that job that's going. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, something we have in Japan is called tanshinfunin, which means the husband goes and the family stays. And this can be okay. for years. And it's not just, you know, a six-month project or something. This is, you know, three-year placement. Mm. And considering where the children are in their education or something, often a Japanese family will decide to just stay where they are and send the husband off and he will back and forth or maybe they will visit him wherever they, he is and it happens within japan so for example if your family's in tokyo and that and someone might be sent to work up in the top of japan in hokkaido the whole family doesn't necessarily move mm-hmm. just be the husband goes and maybe he comes back on the weekends maybe he doesn't <laughs> so yeah. there's a very interesting way that um, families work around this in japan often mm. it's just that they don't yeah. go you know they stay where yeah. they are and generally the mother is the one who's the full-time parent for, you know, for two parents doing double parenting duty. And then the husband is just working yeah. uh, where he is. Yeah. And, and from where we're in Aberdeen mm. as well, it's very, so people work offshore. So right, yes. what, what we call a two and three rotation. So people are onshore for two weeks or three weeks and then they go offshore. But historically, there's also been a lot of rotational work for people working internationally. So the same thing, come, the family stay at home mm. and the partner that's working will go away for maybe two months or three months, depending on recall working with people. And the husband was traveling to Sackland Island from Russia, from Aberdeen. So that would be a long rotation that would go away for like months at a time. Mm. And then they would come home and they'd have a month at home. 
So kind of um, oh, okay. they my, would get the home friends, time though, right? So they would yeah. get well, they would get the home time, and that I think that's the thing that's quite is quite different to what you're speaking mm. around. Yeah. But the similar thing about the the parent that's left at home, kind of doing that, not left at home, who remains at home, um, mm. doing everything, and then the partner comes home, and the readjustment that always yes. goes on. Yes. They're sort of like whilst they're away, and then while they're home, mm. and the two lives are quite separate. Yeah. Yes, that's a topic for another another yeah. episode but yes yes i i hear it's definitely a thing yeah so our family always chose to stay together and that wasn't an option but yeah there's a lot of rigmarole to go through when you're moving a whole family around the world that's mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. but yeah it's interesting how everything you do up to a point sort of um prepares you for the next step of whatever it is that's going on in your life and so mm-hmm. having yeah maybe making time to sit down and and look at your timeline yeah oh look I moved here and I achieved this and in the past Mm. I was able to do this now I know if I take this opportunity that I'm kind of halfway there already you know I already have a lot of the skills or you know I've lived in a country similar to that or something like that I think Mm -hmm. it's really it can be really helpful to see that you know you can do this yeah you you can get through it and you'll be okay Yeah. yeah And what is life like in Dubai? Is there, um, is there some challenges to living in Dubai that are specific that, you know, if we were in Japan, we've never been there, we wouldn't know? Like what some of the, you think, the sort of cha- unique challenges of living where you yeah, are? It's quite hot, so, right, obviously. Yeah, so <laughs> I would say cli- climate is a challenge. I feel that we all go a little bit strange as the heat starts up around about, yeah, you know, kind of, right. and it was hot this year. This year was really, really hot. I'm from Scotland, so I don't really, I can't imagine that I'll ever adjust to yeah. that kind of intense. You won't. <laughs> intense heat. Yeah, I don't um, think you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it's a fascinating place. But, you know, where we live here, there's lots of different communities. You know, there's security on the gates. Right. I would say it's very Western. So actually the challenge for me would be to be able to integrate with different cultures. Mm-hmm. So it's very commonplace for me to hear lots of different kind of Western accents mm-hmm. and to have friends up, but to kind of go wider than that and maybe even experience the local culture. Yeah. I mean, I can mm-hmm. count on two hands how many local people I've met because the expat population is so huge and because I'm not working in an office. So mm-hmm. I suppose there's a different challenge for me there is that I work from home and I've got international clients, so I've got people all over the world, but not people based in Dubai, some people based in Dubai. Um, so that's quite interesting, actually, to integrate. the It's a different type of culture. It's very, very international. Mm. Um, so yeah. I can't, I'm kind of just struggling with, like, in terms of like what's a real challenge. People find the, the actual physical move quite difficult in terms of getting visas set up, DIY, the administration. Sorry, you can hear the school buses are starting to go past Is that a school outside. Bus? Oh that's goodness. a school bus that's just gone past far too fast in a community. <laughs> like there's two of them have just gone either way. So that's interesting. I mean, you've got so many schools. When we arrived, kind of people would say, make sure you get the kids into school, you know, even though they were young, because there weren't so many schools available. Mm. Now we would have the option of maybe five different schools of all of wonderful um, right. quality 
mm. and we can choose mm. which one we go to right. and we can move people move school if they're not happy mm. with mm. the leadership team very very different than some countries where you go to and maybe you're looking for is there a school that's yeah if there's one and that's okay. where yeah. you go hopefully yeah, that's they'll let you go and join because otherwise it's yes. local and yeah. good luck with that <laughs> yeah and yeah. actually even when we repatriate back to scotland that is the concern will we get a school place so really different to mm. how things are here but yeah people find that kind of administrative move into Dubai um, can be a bit challenging but again that has improved so much even in the time that we've been here mm. in terms of how I know you were saying earlier how it can be you you need to go in and get things stamped in the office and yeah. here things have become a lot more automated mm. so when they decide to move it moves quite quickly and I suppose one of the challenges, I suppose it's not a challenge for me, but so when you walk around the community here, as I look out the window, there are the community gardeners, which would be a group, group of labourers who aren't paid very much, are busting yeah. from accommodation, and I that never feels quite right to me. Mm. But something that you kind of, you live here in Dubai, so you're sort of accepting of it. And I find that culturally, that was a challenge for me. Kind right. of say so. I kind of I suppose the way that we do it is that we are as supportive as we can be for people that are working around us. Sure, can be things a good we, thing that we a do. good person so, to yeah, work I, around or not. Yeah, yes. I don't know if I don't know if that's if it's really a challenge, but just from a cultural thing that was different for me, yeah. and really kind of I suppose went against values. Mm. It's still one that doesn't really sit that easily. Mm-hmm. And you're going to come across those as you move around the world, aren't you? But be yeah. this is the Dubai thing, and maybe if you move to Japan, you might see something else. That and things you have to sort of live with if you're yeah. going to be in the country, and even if it sort of doesn't rub you the right way, there are those things everywhere. And certainly, things in yes. Japan have the same sort of not the exact same thing, but yes, the the Japan version of of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's very interesting to hear how people live their lives in different places and what are the things there. Um, you were saying about the climate and even in Japan, like the climate, it's very hot here in summer and yeah. I have not gotten used to it in 20 years and I'm probably not going to. So I just avoid it now <laughs> if yeah. I can. That's my strategy. Avoid summer and go back home to New Zealand or go somewhere else where it's not, yes. not hot and that very hottest time of the year. But how hot are we talking in Dubai? It must be like 40 degrees or over or something, is it? Uh, it's probably 45, but 45. with very, very, very high humidity. That's humidity as well. Mm, yeah, nice. so it's the humidity actually that's the kicker. We played, um, I played netball last night. So the other wonderful thing about expat life and living in Dubai is the ability to exercise outdoors. And it, it's one of the things as I've been expat, because Houston and Dubai, they're both quite hot and humid mm. places. Mm. But both of them afforded me the opportunity to really work out outside, which I love to do. So here I do mm. triathlon. I play netball and anyway, we were wow. playing last night and we all started off saying oh it's really lovely and cool mm-hmm. and then the slight breeze dropped and it, oh. there's just a humidity that comes in the evening time mm-hmm. and it all of us at the end were like oh my goodness it's so hot and just mm-hmm. like so um so humid that and, and this is where it's like really the temperature's quite nice now nice. um, mm. but it will it will in about a month's time it's like the most perfect 
weather. Okay, so it's uh, sort of around it, the end of the year. There's time to go to Dubai. It's uh, the best yeah. time of the year. Weather wise, yes. mm. in in the middle of the summer, you live in air conditioning. So yeah, um, yeah. but we do the same. Usually, we would travel mm-hmm. until the obviously through the pandemic, we couldn't sure. do that. So the summer that we were here and things things actually opened up probably here quite a bit quicker than the rest of the world so there were things that you could go and do but it's an awful lot of going to trampoline parks sure um the pool in the evening that kind of um that kind of thing yeah kids love it though right (laughs) they're keen for the trampoline parks i'm not yes 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 well it's been really interesting to hear about your slice of the world over there kate and your knowledge and just yeah ideas for people who may be going through this or it may be coming up in their futures or people who've even been through it and and think oh it was you know it's not unusual to have that happen or to to think like that yeah I I wasn't just being weak and following my husband you know or you know I know I felt like that sometimes Mm. remember that all these things are leading you to something else and maybe you can't see what that is yet so if People would like to get in touch with you. Where can they find you? Yeah, so people can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me on the Kate Galloway. Um, or they can go to the website, which is kategallowaycoaching.com, and they can get in touch with me via the website as well. Yes, and Kate has some resources on her website, which she mentioned. The podcast is also on there. You'll be able to hear those episodes we talked about earlier in the show. Definitely have a listen to the one that's on there about the couple with their shared vision. I just think every couple should have this. It doesn't matter if you're staying in Japan or you're both New Zealanders in New Zealand. Every couple should have a shared vision. And I know that my husband and I have a shared vision, but it's more just a verbal kind of agreement, whereas it could be a little bit more down on paper. It could be images or whatever we need to sort of solidify it a little bit perhaps. But the sort of shared vision does guide us but it would be nice to, and, and it would be good to actually do it again now as I see another transition coming for us in the in the future. How are we going to do it in style? Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely connecting with you over this podcast episode and I'll be in touch with you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Lovely to chat. So that was the episode with Kate Galloway. She is a wonderful coach. And I hope that if you liked what you heard, or if you think she could help you, then why not get in contact with her? She works with people all over the world. And, you know, there's a little bit of a time difference between here and Dubai. So Kate got up at 5.30 in the morning to talk to me. But apart from that, she can help you if that's something that you would like to do. I know I will definitely be encouraging my husband to come and try this shared vision Kate talked about with her husband they have a shared vision board and I know I've made my own vision boards over the years and they have been very successful and very helpful but I've never created one together with my husband so I think that's a great idea and I'm looking forward to making some time for that to happen in the near future, because I think having something really tangible, as opposed to just speaking about things, and we often talk together about where we're going, what we're planning, what we're thinking, sort of our vision for the future. So I know that our directions are very similar. 
I know that we value the same things, but it would be really great to have a visual reminder of that in the form of a vision board or something that we've written down rather than just sort of talking it through, although that is part of it as well. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. We have more episodes coming for you very soon. Thank you so much for always listening. Please share this episode with someone who you know would get value from what Kate had to say today. And thank you so much for always being wonderful support. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.